0: Love Talk Radio. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Wide Right Natty Life podcast. Tonight, the guests and I will be discussing the spring football game, our big takeaways from that, and uh, what to expect as we enter the summer practice season. Uh, real quick, before we get started, I just want to give a quick shout-out to Coach, Ho- Coach Hoiberg and his family as he recovers from open-heart surgery. We all know it's a scheduled procedure, but, you know, these things are still serious, so we want to wish you well on your road to recovery, and uh, we look forward to seeing you back out there coaching again soon. So, with uh, that being said, guys, uh, let me uh, introduce everybody that's joining me tonight. We've got uh, No Dan with us, Norman Underwood, and Austin Narber, and I'm Cyclone Scholars. Fellas, how's everybody doing tonight? Doing good. Not, Not too bad. Fantastic
1: watching a little hockey, having a couple beers. A couple of drinks, Rand.
0: Nice. I'm getting ready for the uh, Mariners game to kick off so I can have something to write about next week.
1: It's a dedication.
2: Our favorite team. <laughs> I suppose we'll go. probably
0: do for uh,
3: for this weekend gifts at some point with the Mariners. Maybe when they take over first place.
0: Yeah, exactly. They're floating first right uh, in third place, I think, right now. So. But uh, yeah, what's everybody? What's everybody drinking tonight? Well,
1: um, the uh, liquor store in my the town I live in just started selling Surly, and seeing as I'm watching the Minnesota Wild, I, I found a four pack of Surly overrated for the evening. So
0: enjoying that. It's a solid beer. Nice. I am drinking a Magic Hat number nine. This is my, my wife. Lawn tonight. Tonight. This is blasphemy,
3: but I'm actually not drinking tonight. I'm being a fat kid and eating ice cream.
2: <laughs> I over a oh, lawn tonight and had a grain belt.
0: There you go. Excellent. Uh well, you know, tonight guys I know we wanted to get together to talk about the spring game that uh took place a couple weekends ago. I personally was not able to attend, but uh, I believe a few of you were. No, Dan, were you able to go? I was, you know. The weather
3: was perfect. It was a good day to be out there, a lot like uh, you get on a fall Saturday. Uh, and I tell you what, tailgating in the north Lots was was pretty fun. Looking into the stadium and, and seeing the uh,
0: the expansion they're doing and how far that's coming. That's awesome. Uh, how many how many people did you say made it out there? You know, the attendance actually wasn't crap. We were pretty surprised by that. We were able
3: to tell in retaliating that it's gonna be a good turnout and not just people sitting out there to drink. I think plenty of people did that, but uh I would say, you know, probably a solid seven thousand or so. Um, you know, in years past the the cap's been about ten or eleven thousand and they put about seven thousand in the stands. Uh no security guards really at the gate checking yet; just handing out programs and so an unnamed wide-right blogger managed to lock in with an open container. Uh, I was so respectful of what security there might be and just snuck mine in. Uh, but there's one of our contributors, um, without giving it away, uh, but one of our contributors that walked in with an open container and didn't even
0: realize it until he got halfway up the hill. Well, it's good to know they're on top of their game. Oh, yeah. It was spring practice for security, too well let's
1: let's be honest if they want if they want maximum
0: capacity
1: this year, they're just gonna have to start turning a blind eye.
3: oh, hands down, absolutely, especially when it comes to students. We saw what that was like until the end of last season, yeah, It'll big old empty way.
1: chunks in that northeast corner,
3: oh yeah, absolutely, so you know hey we uh you know since you guys didn't get to see the game. I am curious as to what your thoughts were on the game or maybe what you thought might have happened, and I'd be more than happy to tell you, play a little true-false here and be more than happy to tell you what happened and what didn't. I'm going to
1: guess Paul Rhodes was very conservative. Sam Richardson ran around a lot because there was basically nothing else for him to do but that. Uh, run, Undersized running backs had to bounce to the outside for little to no gain, and our linebackers looked like... Lost children in the uh, tire section of a fleet farm
2: it's going very with, specific
1: <laughs> go with true
2: mostly I might true. have been
1: drawing off some childhood memories there
3: true, mostly true, mostly true and true um, you, you know you, you giving the roads a bit of a break here, which isn't popular in our neck of the woods right now um most spring games aren't pretty conservative, so it it was a lot of uh A lot of base sets, a lot of three wide receivers tied into the hand of the dirt, running back in the backfield. Uh, A lot of just simple cover two, cover three looks on the defensive side. Nothing you were going to glean from it, which quite honestly pissed me off. I've always felt spring games were a fun time to do something different. You know, pull out that reverse that you might pull out once this year that no opposing team is ever going to look at because, well, they're never going to watch spring game tape, and we don't have it out there for people to watch. And yeah, I was so, just going to
2: ask if the offense was was it mostly vanilla or did they open up the playbook at all? Oh, they didn't open it up at all. Uh, kind of to, to point number two there about Sam running around, he ran
3: quite a bit early. A lot of it was design stuff. Uh, he didn't really scramble, and credit to him on that. That's one of the things he needs to focus on is finding his third and fourth option. Uh, first play of the game, though, was nine-yard run by Sam on, a, on his own read. It actually worked really well. We didn't, believe it or not, we didn't run a lot of zone reads Sam last year. And defense been on it hard. He got nine yards. would have got probably 15 if it wasn't touch football for quarterbacks. Um, and then naturally incomplete pass and a loss for a yard for the next two plays. Uh, and then <laughs> a, a simulated punt. Are you <laughs> telling me we struggled with short yardage running? Get out of yeah. town. Yeah. Which, which is, and, and you'll laugh about it. You hit number three on the head, too. Undersized running back has to try and bounce outside. Uh Tyler Brown got the start and, you know, third play of the game, hand off to him, and then third and one, and the entire stadium knew what was coming, and I think the entire stadium knew what the result was before the ball even got a snap. And sure and enough, was, he runs right into the ass of someone and tries to bounce outside and goes down.
2: I was following along on Twitter. I think one of my favorite terms that I saw was pretend punt. Yes, yes, it was, it was pretend to <laughs> punt. Um, why you don't let the
3: specialists just get some work you know, Cole Metton's the only one that got any work, and I'll get to that later. But uh, why you don't like down Downing, you know, just go punt. Kick it as far as you fucking can. And don't even put anyone back there. Put someone back there. You know, like Todd Blythe did with Gene Chiswick and Chizik just put him back there to fake a fair catch and let the punt go over his head. Um, except for that having I mean, a real game, not even the spring game. But, you know, let a guy do that. You know, let, let some scrub, 150-pound walk-on. Gets the old pads, all practice, you know, go out there and catch a punt on a fair catch. <laughs> why that one was now at this point oh the linebackers looking lost yeah that's true uh they're awful they're going to be terrible uh jordan harris looks like a big 12 linebacker he's a little bit late on his reads he'll get there i actually think he'll be really really good especially next year i think by the end of this year he'll be pretty solid um they're going to be hurting without luke not though and they're going to be hurting with him and they'll be hurting even more if he actually can't come back and play yeah, what's the latest on him? Uh, is it uh, still kind of up in the air? Yeah, I mean, it's been radio silence since in the spring balls, other than going to, say, a specialist in Chicago to evaluate his hips. But in typical Rhodes fashion, a you know, really tall sponge, it was either he could be starting in the fall or he could never play again. And that's a pretty wide spectrum.
0: Yeah, I kind of yeah, thought I'm the same thing. It seems pretty it. drastic. Go ahead, Al.
1: Oh, I was just going to say I'm leaning more towards the uh, probably never play again for a lot of reasons, just, you know.
0: Oh,
3: and he's, you know, he's the type of guy that, I don't know, he seems to want to clone his brother, and he's not built the same way his brother was. And right. Luke is even stressing, I think, maybe the limits of what his body can handle, and I still think he is. And Luke definitely wasn't bad. He That kid, closest he should have ever got to the line of scrimmage was a nickelback role. Um, he really was cut as a safety. Um he should have never been playing a weak side linebacker like his brother. You just you look at the body, what we tried to have there with Jeff and Miller and then what we had there Luke Luke And I mean you've got a twenty five, thirty pound difference right there. But Miller at least had the frame to carry that much weight.
2: Dan, how how would you say you quantify being at such a disadvantage at linebacker? Like where does that show up in the box square do you think for Iowa State?
3: Running I mean, yards. it's in rushing yards and, and the line was the, the line was awful last year and that that made it bad, but it's not like the line was great in 2010 and there's still a decent running um, you know, still a decent uh, rush defense and it's not like it was great in 2013 and Jeremiah George still made a lot of differences in the running game. You go watch the Kansas game last year and there are so many situations where um, a linebacker on the outside would take a block incorrectly and, and let the ball get outside and suddenly you're they're running eight, nine yards downfield because our safeties tried to fill the middle. We're trying to force guys to the middle, uh, and someone takes a bad block on the outside and they get outside and it's nine yards, and then it's fifteen yards, and if you watch the Oklahoma game; it's five hundred yards, and it, that's that's where it shows up. I think it really shows up in the box score when it comes to the rushing yards. It's the bigger plays and the consistent seven, eight yard gains are, are on the linebacker. And the first couple of yards are related to the line, and after that, it's it's all about the linebackers. Being in the right gaps.
0: How does uh, how does the secondary size up? Are we looking like a team that's going to have to play about twenty five yards off the receiver, like we always do? Or are we looking like we could maybe stuff some people at the line? You know, I I think secondary is the strongest unit on the
3: on the defense. Um, you look at it, and you've got you've got little Sam Richardson who's been starting off and on and playing significantly pretty much all four years he's been here. Uh, you've got Trivian who's now in his third year and. You know, been starting for the better part of the past two. You got Cotton and We know what we get out of him. And, you know, coming in at a strong safety, uh, Darian Cotton, who's a senior, is replacing T.J. Mutcherson. I, you know, I liked Cotton, how he started the last two games last year, and Mutcherson was suspended. He's not flashy. He's probably not going to make some of the plays Mutcherson did, but he's not going to be out of position as much. And you'll take that because Cotton's at least built to play his position. Um I like our secondary a lot. I still don't think we'll, we'll press in certain situations, especially in the red zone. We're not going to press a lot because it's not what Wally does. Wally—the only real time Wally ever pressed was Leonard Johnson it was in the latter half of 2011, um, and it's largely because Johnson was playing out of his mind. Wally's not going to do it a lot. I thought Richardson looked great in the spring game. Uh, he was challenging Lazard. He was challenging Bundrage two times. He was on him. Um, He's reminded me a lot of Jeremy Reeves, which is the best comparison you could really make for him. Uh, Tribune, still not sold. I think the guy's got all the tools, and, but he seemed to mentally take the spring game off. Um, and I would, wouldn't normally find that to be a problem, but he had issues that's in the last season starting because he was taking too much too many plays off, and they put Ken Lennon in instead. And I, I'm worried that Tribune, oddly enough, despite having the most talent in the secondary, might be the weakest link in the secondary.
0: Yeah, I, I just it, it can be frustrating to watch at times our defense. Um, I mean, just the tackling at best. So, <laughs> it, it, you know, it is it is what it is when we're talking Cyclones defense. And, you know, if, if you're coming away with these takeaways against our offense, you know, sometimes that can cause a little bit of concern. But, uh, you know, it, was there anybody that really stood out to you as far as, you know, who who was the most improved maybe or, you know, somebody that you think that can maybe step up and make an impact this year? I, I know we kind of just ran through several guys, but, you know, top to bottom, is there anybody that you like or, you know, that made some plays on the spring game that you thought, wow, you know, this guy couldn't maybe play? Well, full disclosure, I didn't say for the second half, because I didn't have much reason to
3: catch any third or fourth stringers. But at the same time, I didn't want to fall into the trap either saying, you know, fourth stringer X could be a starter by midseason. Too many people fall for that crap. Um I'll tell you, offensively, I I can't believe it's actually holding true, but but Trevor Ryan, the little scrappy Wes Welker type, um, will get some snaps this season at receiver, and he looks like your quintessential slot receiver as long as the guy's block for him. He won't beat guys downfield, but he'll catch a bubble screen, and he'll find his blocks, and he'll put a foot in the ground, and he'll get upfield for five or six yards, and it's not flashy, but you keep getting five or six yards, and before you know it, you're down on the goal line. And
2: uh,
3: I, I've I've bought into I don't necessarily want to call it hype, but I think this kid is he fits the mold. He's you know he's a he's a track start. You and I, he was no longer at you and I for reasons I don't repeat and something he can listen to. Um, but he's he's got speed and he can catch the ball, and that's sometimes what you need. As long as he stays healthy, he'll get some snaps this year. Um, defensively, uh, uh, Demon Tucker actually stood out. I know Simon the Deadly likes to compare him to a dorm fridge because he's short and he's big. Um, but he's kind of what you need in the middle. He's mean. He actually, and, and, and Norm's going to love this comparison, he reminds me a little bit of Brent Curve. So if, if he comes in at three-quarters of the skill that Curvey had, our defense is going to immediately improve.
1: As long as he can do the original Marshawn hold-my-dick move that Curve did rock, taking that uh, fumble, <laughs> it, yeah, it was a fumble, against Baylor in '04 4 into the end zone,
3: then he's good in my book. You know what? <laughs> he might do it. The guy's got a little tips so I tips. It wouldn't surprise me. Um, you know, because I,
1: Curve I like- doesn't get enough love for his end zone. I wouldn't call him dances, but, you know, the way he entered the end zone, the two times he did it, there was flair. Yeah.
3: Oh, I remember the, that, that Colorado game in 05. Uh, he's just looking up the scoreboard, hoping no one catches him. Um, oh, yeah. Because he well, had no. One totally that got away with that. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Oh, that that was, that was a trip, blocking trip, the back, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, this, before we get too off topic about how that was a star cross season, um, we had pretty much everything break right, except for Nick Leaders and catching a ball against Nebraska and Baylor. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. But the thing is, is. Of, of all the times, hey, off, off topic is what we do here, so don't don't worry yeah, about that. You know? b- but but of all the times you could call Iowa State for a penalty that would have just been killing a killer, it would have been on motor on that return by Curve against Colorado. That would have completely sucked the wind out of our sails and didn't get called. And if that doesn't tell you that that was B season, that that was the the season that McCartney gets over the hump that Iowa State gets over the hump. Nothing else will. That that was that call. Any other year, I think it's called the Iowa State, and changes the changes that game. But I digress. Well,
1: since we're on the topic, you know, I'm just going to bury this needle. Um, the call that really sunk that season, that most fans just don't aren't even, even aware of because the game wasn't on TV, was <laughs> that that Mizzou. Uh, my buddy Jay and I went down to this game, and the final drive with Chase Daniel in there, his second touchdown in the game. The touchdown drive, he threw a pick six to Steve Paris with thirty seconds left. And somehow that that was going that put us up fourteen points. Somehow the refs came in and ruled that the wide receiver was down by contact. Even though it was an interception. It was the most head scratching call I've ever seen. Most cyclone fans never observed it because it was never shown live and it completely changed the course of the game. As instead of it being a fourteen point deficit, with Iowa State kicking to Mizzou, it was still Mizzou's ball down seven. So,
3: see, there's. Let, let me ask you this, and God, this is a whole separate article and a whole separate podcast we could do this summer. So, I will tell people to look for it. Um, which, 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 which is cause there's a couple other egregious ones that year too. You've got the Greg Coleman fumble when he's four yards into the end zone. Um, that somehow was upheld as a fumble again in the 10-point loss to Baylor at home. Uh, and then you've got the touchdown that the rest couldn't actually prove was a touchdown against Kansas, um, which at that point, it wouldn't have been the season that we were hoping for halfway through the year, but it still would have put us in the big title game if we won that game. And somehow, whoever the Kansas quarterback was pulls off a snake. They don't rule a touchdown on the field, and on the review, somehow I managed to give them a touchdown without actually clearly seeing the ball. And I remember catching that one, the end of that one, in the Dallas Fort Worth Airport, and just, I'd get on a plane afterwards and sit there and stew about it. And it was actually probably good I had to have my phone off because I was just angrily pissing about it to friends of mine. But there was a lot that season that you just sit there and you go, what if? And we're coming up on 10 years now since that season.
0: Wow. Yeah, I remember that Kansas game and uh, that the Phantom, the Phantom touchdown, as I refer to it as, but uh, that was just that was one of the final nut kicks. But I remember from the old Big Twelve title game days. That was back when we still had the North. When it was like, hey guys, you know, if we win like five, six games, we could win the North and maybe sneak into the Big Twelve championship <laughs> game. And and who knows, you know, all of a sudden we're playing in the BCS bowl. I, I, I miss those days of having the twelve teams in the title game. I mean, it didn't get it much better than playing in the big twelve north. No well, and think about yeah. this. for the most Duke, two years
2: yeah,
3: but even before that, you know granted o three was terrible, but they didn't suck playing in the north in in o two or o one, and o six was actually a pretty good year lined out for us, but Barney Cotton shows what happens when I mean, he doesn't have a good defense making his offense look good um. And, uh, you know, I, I just, I look at Duke, and, you know, Duke's really built their program the last couple of years, and it's just because they played in the piss-poor division in the ACC, and it was good enough to get them the Chick Flay Bowl the year before last. And They go get, you know, killed by Florida State in the ACC championship game, but still end up in the Chick Flay Bowl and blow a lead to Johnny Manziel. Um, that's one more Chick label Bowl than we've ever been to. True. And, and that's uh, not true. I, I, yeah, that's I, I missed not true. Okay, we we had a peach or a tangerine. Well, have we been to Peach Bowl?
1: We went to <sighs> Peach Bowl like in our old Bruce years. It's the same. Back day. in the
3: seventies, yeah. See now, now I'm yeah. looking. Now you, have, now you have me intrigued. I think you're right. I know we've been to a couple. Let me see here. Look at that, twenty-four to fourteen loss to NC State on December thirty-first, nineteen seventy-seven. So, okay, was I was negative
2: thirteen. Yes.
3: I take that back. Duke has been to uh, as many
2: Peach Bowls <laughs> as we have.
3: But they've been there more recently. Um, and, and my whole point with that was they didn't get to 10-2 and 2 that year going into the ACC championship game by playing a round-robin schedule. And, you know, they got there by playing a crap division. And I'll take a crap division every single year if it means more wins, because that's all that matters. No one cares how you get them unless you're in the top four. They just care that you get wins.
0: Well, well I'm, I'm thinking... We got to keep the Big 12 alive first, but I, I always think I was thinking yeah. about the Kansas yeah. Orange Bowl victory a couple of years ago, or uh, their appearance there. Did they? Uh, was that still in the North and South? Were still around? Oh yeah, they it did, was, uh,
1: and they had the yep. same yep. rotation we did.
3: Yeah, and they did not make so, and they missed Texas, Oklahoma, and Texas Tech that year. Um, and then on top of that, they didn't even play for the Big 12 championship against Oklahoma because they lost to the Mizzou and Arrowhead. Mizzou, yeah, four. And it was, uh, I like think, number two versus number three at that point. It um, was just insane to think about that. And Kansas had the perfect situation line up for them. Um, honestly, by losing my game. Because if they lose to Oklahoma, there's a good shot that they, The Big 12 worked in funny ways, and the BCS worked in funny ways. But more often than not, you could have a highly ranked championship game loser like that not go to a BCS Bowl. Because the Bulls didn't want to take a team that lost their last game. So Kansas worked yeah, out perfectly. And I have a whole other thing I could lax about with Mangino, and I like the guy, and I think he's a great head coach. The best offenses he ever fielded to Kansas was with Ed Warner as his offensive coordinator. Uh, Warner, for reference sake, has been at Ohio State the last few years. He originally was hired as co-offensive coordinator, Tom Herman, and that quickly disappeared once Herman actually found his legs. And uh, Warner was good. He was really good. And he was what kind of made that offense tick, I would say almost maybe a little bit more than Angino.
2: Well, and to do what they did with guys know. like Todd Reese and Carrie Meyer, I mean come on. Yeah. They 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 didn't they didn't hurt either.
3: I uh I actually uh spent about fifteen minutes talking to Todd Reese's dad in Free State in uh, Free State Brewery in Lawrence once. Um, just random serendipitous chance I met him because they're in town for uh, Todd's younger brother's graduation and uh, he had Kansas stuff on I Iowa State stuff on and we got to talk and I ended up figuring out his last name was Riesing and then it kind of went from there so they really enjoyed Ames apparently the one time they were up here so that's nice
1: that was probably that come from behind when where his son played out of his
3: mind it was that's, that's probably it the, uh, 35-33 loss uh, under Gene like when we're we really like to nothing? Yeah, like we blew our load in the first half, which is what he always <laughs> does, and uh, just pissed it away.
1: That was a game my you buddy recover- Luke got so drunk on Bloody Mary, slipped off the uh, seat in the student section, smacked his head on a bleacher, passed out, nobody gave him medical attention, then he woke up <laughs> during the middle of the KU comeback.
3: Long time to wake up.
1: <laughs> yeah. He survived.
0: <laughs> was was he angry? <laughs> mm, just at the game.
3: Let's say I think you get to a point uh, in Iowa State fandom where you're not even pissed anymore at those comebacks.
0: Yeah, I, I yeah I hear just, you there.
3: Yeah, you just sit there and you're like, I ain't, I ain't even mad. I ain't even mad.
0: Just disappointed. <laughs> well, you know that kind of transitions us into our. Uh, our last topic here, you know, uh, we we've kind of talked about the offense, the defense, and uh, circle back to the, the spring game. Um, you know, what's the uh, what's the overall outlook? I know it's still early, but you know, based off, and this is a question for everybody, you know, not just Dan who's there, but you know, what what do you look for with this team? Like, where are we going? You know, what 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 do you guys? What's the prediction early on? I mean, I know we still got a couple months, but I'd like to hear what you guys' thoughts are, what you've heard, what you've read. Uh, Cole fucking Netton.
3: That's all. That's Cole fucking Netton. He's our team. He's going to kick 117 field goals this year, and we're somehow going to win 11 games. <laughs> I don't think that math even makes any fucking sense. Uh, 117. Is this is going to be one of those situations where we get it to the 45, and we're just like, Cole, let's do it. Yeah, okay, so... If he kicks 117 field goals and just are 11 wins, that's 32 points a game. That's cool. <laughs> I think we could. We could. That's better on any offense under Paul Rhodes. So yeah, let's just. Yeah, let's not do the 45. Let's do that the 25. So.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's
3: 45. I yeah, I, I have a whole fucking thing about what Rhodes has done to his kickers. Grant Malley wasn't the greatest kicker we've ever had, but he's a pretty decent one. And Rhodes trotting him out there for 55 yard field goals all the goddamn time helped to ruin that kid's confidence. And, yeah, yeah, and he did it again at the spring game, quite honestly. And it just, it, it annoyed me again. It's just, we tried a long one with Coleman Metton there at the end of the first half. He missed it. So we put the offense back out there for a little two-minute drill, down by one, need a field goal to win. And so we got to, like, the 25 and just quit. And he came out and kicked a 42-yard field goal, and that one went in. Um, but I was just sitting there in the stands dumbfounded. And Ben Brown's correctly, Corrected me on Twitter about what the situation was, but it was just so that little exchange right there, that that little sequence, just typified everything what the last about five years have been like, which is we can't cash out and we actually need to, and we rely on the leg of a twenty year old kid.
2: Uh, I actually i have a i have a great grandma Mahoney story if you guys got time.
3: Absolutely. Okay, I'm going to I want to stop what I'm talking about. I'm going to say. I'll give my official prediction for the season later in the summer, but I did come away from the spring game slightly encouraged, mainly because our defensive line actually looked like they belonged. So, with that said, to
2: Austin and his Grant Mahoney story. All right. So I had I had a beer with Grant Mahoney the other night, actually. He was in Des Moines. And uh, he told me about a fight that he got in um, somewhere in A's, I think a couple of years ago there was an Iowa player, excuse me, just an Iowa fan at this party. And uh, they were getting into it, getting each other's faces. And Gray Mahoney said, I'll kick your ass. And evidently this guy goes, I bet you'll miss. <laughs> 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 and and Greg's right. telling me the story and just laughing his ass off. And I'm like, well, at least you're a good sport about it.
1: <laughs> Didn't he bury like a 55-yard field goal against Iowa his senior year?
3: Nebraska with the wind at his back in that game that rose. Rhodes...
1: He buried a really deep field goal in that overtime game against Iowa Jack Trey.
3: Oh, he did. It was, yeah, it was a forty some deal. You're right. Yeah, it's a. Oh, it, up, it uh, was
1: fifty. Plus. Damn it! You should have rubbed that in the Iowa guy's face. I guarantee it was the end of the half. It was the end of the first half.
3: I was in the fifties? Uh, okay, I'm gonna look. So someone fill some dead air while I look at this. I can never be proven wrong on anything. Okay, did, so here's did he my make ISU it?
1: kicker story. You guys he did get a kick it. out of this. Did he make it?
3: Okay. He did make it. I know he made it.
1: All right, here's my ISU kicker trivia story. Now, I don't know how old Austin and uh, Scholar are, but you guys may may or may not remember. In 2004, we went into Iowa City as huge underdogs. Okay. Oh, we only <laughs> lost by seven points. We missed three field goals inside of 35 yards in that game, all coming off the leg of one Brian Jansen, a walk-on yep. kicker who would get replaced later in that season by Scott Crava and then by Brett Culverston. He lived in the same dorm as I did. And just like five days after that same game at, at, at Iowa, I'm in line getting my, you know, the it's, Okay, I lived in Maple Willow Larch, and this was back before they had nice dorm uh, eating facilities. It was just a crappy little cafeteria. But we had an ice cream machine, and I was getting a goddamn ice cream cone. And I liked to make it a little fancy with a little chocolate syrup and a little caramel. And Brian Jansen was standing behind me, and he was not pleased with my routine because it was holding him up. And he makes the comment, How hard is it to make an ice cream cone? And I responded, about as hard as it is to make a thirty-yard field goal. To which his <laughs> football te- football team roommate guy with him, who you know, I-, I didn't know who he was, but he had the shorts, just busted out laughing. Jansen just walked off pissed.
2: <laughs> so
3: I I have a kicker story as well. I have a tricker story as well involving Brian Jansen. First, I will say Norm is right. Grant Mahoney, 54-yard field goal, good, with 41 seconds left in the second quarter against Iowa in 2011 to, as I had mentioned, now I had this part right, to tie it at 10. I thought that was closer to a 45-yarder. Um, and then they went up 16-10, we went up 17-16, yada, yada, tied it at 24. Iowa fans named Dick Steele Jantz because they can never beat it. Um, anyway, so say. my kicker story is also Brian Jansen. he was a bartender at Sips for quite a while. Uh, one, I go one night one of the random $3 cover you know 50 cent well nights and uh, every girl in the place is getting his attention I'm standing up there for 4 or 5 minutes I can't get him to even look at me and I finally yell at him and go Jansen you're a fucking worse bartender than you are a kicker <laughs> and I thought, I thought I was going to be thrown out I, I, I was like alright I'm going to a different bar tonight and uh, he comes up to me and he points at me and he goes alright what do you want <laughs> and the rest of that night, he waited on me as soon as I got up to the bar. He was cool about it. But, you know, sometimes guys need a little humiliation or a little humbling, I guess. But uh, I swear to God I was going to get some bouncer to come up to me and haul me out over their shoulder.
2: This dude made made three out of nine field goals in 2004. Three out of nine. <laughs> oh, God. Seven out of nine extra points. He missed two of those.
0: Incredible God! They're thinking about eliminating those in the NFL, and we can't even make those.
3: <laughs> I actually
0: think hey, Cole one Madden of those made all his
1: last year. Colorado game in Boulder that year.
3: Yes, yeah, I would say that his leg cost us two games that year. In a, in a six and five regular season, his
2: leg cost us two games. We should delete this <laughs> podcast and then bring him on for the next one.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> think he's going to be joining us anytime soon. <laughs> What do you guys think the chances are of an all kicker podcast of the last ten years of kickers at Iowa State, all fifteen of them?
2: <laughs> I could give you. Well, bonus. I'm,
1: I'm going to say it's it's pretty minimal because one of our original contributors had been Facebook friends with Brett Culbertson, and within a month of uh, launching Wide Right, Navy White, Culbertson had befriended him. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think we're out on we're we're out on the full reunion.
0: Well, I mean shit, we just had three very solid kicker stories. I'm actually upset that I don't have a kicker story. But I mean with those three alone that's like that's a show right there. Hey, you're still you're still young. You have time to get a kicker story. You could I was you know. there <laughs> I was there with you guys during all those other years <laughs> you were just talking about. I was <laughs> Apparently I wasn't sure about the Greg right
1: in.
0: Well, hey hey guys, you know, I, I certainly enjoy this and uh unless you know, I, I don't know if um you know Austin or Al you guys had anything you wanted to say about the spring outlook for the cyclone, feel free to chime in. But no. <laughs> I think that's fair. We've got we've got the next three months to uh, you know, we you know go over this, so Anyway, hey, I appreciate everybody's time tonight. You know, thanks, everybody, for joining us. Dan, Austin, Al, um, really appreciate your guys' time. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Until next time, everybody, we'll see you in a couple weeks.
2: See you guys. Sayonara. See you, boys.